This morning we're in John chapter 17. John 17. What a privilege to be in this portion of Scripture where John records the high priestly prayer of Jesus. The very next day, Christ will be crucified. This is a precious and a powerful portion of Scripture in which Jesus addresses the Father. He goes to the Father in prayer. Uh, so right up until this time, he's Jesus, that is, is looking at his disciples and he's teaching them. We know that the disciples are still there. They're still in the room. There in verse 1, Jesus spoke these things. And lifting up his eyes to heaven. So he goes from instruction to his disciples or with his disciples to prayer. To bringing to the Father his his thoughts and these words. And we had the disciples there and no doubt they recorded this prayer. I'm intrigued by the prayer. A prayer that Jesus uttered while on earth, uh, yet reflects the very depths of his heart and I think is part of his high priestly ministry even now. We find out from the writer of Hebrews that Jesus makes intercession for his own people in that high priestly ministry. Oh, don't think he doesn't still continue to minister. He ministers. He is active. He is orchestrating. He is praying before the Father in a high priestly fashion there at the Father's right hand. So I'd like to read the text. We're not going to read all the prayer. It's the entirety of chapter 17. But what I'd like to do is take the first 12 verses. And in study, I've seen something that I really don't know that I've ever seen before. And I can't figure out why I didn't see it before, because it's so obvious, so abundantly clear um, that I'd like to share that with you this morning and trust that you will, uh, you will be comforted, that you'll be strengthened, uh, that you'll gain uh, some fresh insight into the relationship of the Father and the Son but also the relationship between the Son and those that He's called, those that He has saved, those that He has redeemed. So we'll read the 12 verses. And once again, it's a joy to be with you this morning. What a fine, beautiful day. And just it's just great to gather and open up the Word and to be able to read and see your smiling faces. Verse 1, Jesus spoke these things. And lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. 
Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them, and they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you, and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. The name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. The word of the Lord. Father in heaven. We thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is personal to us. That there's meaning, great meaning and direction for our lives uh, that come from uh, the reading and the, the study of your, your word, this ancient text. So, Lord, apply it to us. Uh, help us during these days to avail ourselves of all the spiritual resources that you have uh, blessed us with. Help us, God, to be filled with your spirit, to walk in your spirit, to walk in truth, uh, to receive the engrafted word that is able to save our souls. Um, Lord, help us uh, to be uh, quick uh, to pray. Uh, to worship you, to give you glory, uh, not only corporately, but, but privately, day by day. Uh, Lord, help us uh, to be about the Father's business. We'll give you the praise, and we thank you in advance for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, I think the reason that I, I always look at this passage, this chapter, and I think, first of all, it's a prayer. 
So what's he praying for? What's Christ praying for? What's he asking the Father for? And then how are believers, how do we figure in to what his prayer is about? But there's also great instruction in the prayer. Instruction for us. What, what was that relationship between the father and son? What was that like? Was it close? Were they, are the father and the son really close? Are they, are they, uh, you know, do they, do they, are they going the same direction? Do they have in mind the same goals and objectives? And I think we find out that they certainly do. So let's, uh, let's look at, I want to look at five things that the father or that Jesus receives from the father. Let's put it that way. Five things here in 12 verses that Jesus receives from his father. Uh, the other day, I think I had three and then I had to increase it. There's five things, not just three. I had missed one, which no surprise there. So here we go. Verse one, Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Now the hour is that hour of his death, burial and resurrection. It's the hour that Jesus will lay down his life for sinners. That's the hour. The very next day he will be crucified. He will be taken into custody and there will be a, a, a trial, if you will. And he will take the nails for you and me. He says the hour has come. It's right there. It's, um, he's right at the threshold. He says, glorify your son. And that glorification, that word in this context is, is the totality of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. That is the glorification. And he's saying, glorify your son that the son may glorify you. So this, uh, this entire operation uh, had to be uh, or was agreed upon by the father and the son. In other words, they're on the same page. The father is for the son and the son is for the father. And the father will glorify the son as the son is obedient to the father. And then the glory will go back to the father from the son in that obedience. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to know that your God is a great God that is unified three in one. And we give him praise. He says, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, number one, Jesus received from the father authority over all flesh. What? Yes, Jesus has authority over all flesh. Jesus has the, he holds the destiny of every person. That's what that means. You can go back and read, uh, I mean, this authority thing is all over the Bible. You can go back to Matthew 7. What we're trying to say is Jesus is in charge. Jesus is over all flesh. The end of chapter 7 in Matthew's gospel. Well, verses 21 and following. 
Jesus said these words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Uh, A rather authoritative statement, wouldn't you think? For sure, Jesus has authority over all flesh. Jesus determines how someone gets to the Father. Jesus has come to save And then we know that Jesus has come to judge. He has authority over all flesh. No exceptions there. So that's number one. He received this authority from the Father. He says that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. So number two, Jesus also received from the Father all those who would receive eternal life. We can go to a couple of passages. I love this because it takes us, I mean, we're out, we're in eternity right now. We're not in the here and now. I mean, what the father gave the son happened in eternity. And that's what's so beautiful about it. This has been going on. This is an ongoing thing. Um, Oh yeah, we were going to Peter's, uh, letter. First Peter, Jesus said that the father gave him those who would be saved. Paul believed that. We have that in Ephesians chapter one, I think around verses four or five. And then here, even Peter recognizes that there in verse two, he says that, um, He's writing to Christians uh, in a particular circumstance, but he says that they have been, they're residing as aliens. They're, they're in this world, they're not of it, they're residing as aliens. He said they're chosen right there at the end of verse 1 in First Peter chapter 1. These people, these Christians who are chosen according to what? The foreknowledge of God the Father, by the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with His blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. And then we'll look at that passage in Ephesians. We're talking about the fact that Jesus received from the Father authority over all flesh. We'll begin with verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. I think this is good for us because we become so here and now oriented. And we need to understand God is not constrained by time and he's certainly not constrained by space. He is eternal. So Paul says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him, in who? In Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. 
in love, this is in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. There's a period. That's what I was looking for. Paul gives us an opportunity to stop. He likes these long sentences that are so beautiful and rich. The point is, Jesus has been given authority over all flesh. And then secondly, Jesus was given from the Father those who would be saved. And just in case we think, well, that must have been, that's just like one time in the Bible. He's going to hit that again and again and again in this chapter. So those two things stand out. We're looking at the things that Jesus received from the Father. Now, look at this. Um, Verse 2, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, that's the one I missed the other day. What did Jesus, what else did Jesus receive from the father? He received a job to do right there. It is in verse four. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work, which what you have given me to do. I mean, that is not unusual. Is it unusual for a father to give his son a job to do? I hope not. The father gave Jesus a job to do and Jesus accomplished that work. That work was the living and the dying, the rising from the dead, the ascending to the right hand of the father, that glorification of Christ. Jesus says he accomplished that work. That was a specific work. It was a work of salvation. Jesus wanted to save sinners. The father wanted to save sinners. The father gave him the work and Jesus brought that work to fruition. That was number three. Now, father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus is thinking about the glory that that he had Before he came to earth. And the one thing he gave up when he came to earth. He didn't give up his divinity. Every now and then I'll hear a evangelical preacher say something like Jesus gave up his divinity when he came to earth. No way. He never gave up his divinity. Jesus was as divine walking on the planet as he was when he was in heaven. He never gave up his divinity, but what he did give up was a certain amount of glory. Glory. And those with insight saw his glory. John said in John chapter 1 verse 14, he said, we beheld his glory. Well, they had eyes to see and they had ears to hear and they beheld his glory. They saw his glory in his teaching. They saw his glory when he raised the dead. They saw his glory when he healed blind eyes. They saw his glory when he made the lame to walk. They saw his glory when he calmed the storm. When he turned the water to wine. They saw his glory in that. 
But it was a veiled glory. And Jesus is just praying, hey, now glorify me with, uh, together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you, talking to the Father, there in verse 5, before the world was. And he goes on in verse 6, I have manifested your name. So he's talking to the Father. I've manifested your name to the men. And it's interesting, the word is manifested, not revealed. So manifested, there's some substance here. It's not just knowledge, it's substance. Jesus manifested the Father. Jesus fed the, the thousands with one small lunch. That's a manifestation of the abundance of the Father. That's what you need to see. And I need to see it. And not only see it, but cling to it. That Jesus manifested the name of the Father. He says, to the men whom you gave me out of the world. There it is again. I told you we'd see it again. There it is. The people, the men you gave me out of the world. He says, they were yours. And there it is again. You gave them to me. And then he goes on. And they have kept your word. Now... They have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me. Number four, the father gave the son the teaching, the words, the word. He gave him the words to speak. Does that sound strange? Well, go to John chapter 12 and verse 50, I believe it is. You're, you're wrapping your mind around the fact that the Father gave the Son words to speak. Jesus says in John chapter 12, verse 50, I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. I think we are enriched as believers when we gain a deeper or fuller understanding of the relationship of the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father. And I, as I'm thinking about this and thinking through this and studying this passage and, and bringing it to you today, I... I wonder why we don't hear more of that. To me, there's great comfort in this. Say, so, well, I don't understand all that. Well, join, join the group. We, none of us do, do we? Do we understand all of that? No, but we can accept it by faith. And we can understand that this wasn't just some, you know, last minute spurious plan dreamt up by the son to try to save the world. This has been ongoing. This was this this plan began before the world was. This plan began in eternity. Evidently, we were thought of by the Father before the foundation of the world. I can't wrap my little finite mind around that. But that's the gist of this. He says uh 
he's going on. He says, for the words which you gave me, this is verse 8, I've given to them and they received them. <laughs> there, there we go. And truly understand that I came forth from you and they believed that you sent me. I ask on their behalf, I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me. There it is again. Those of you have, that you have given me. For they are yours, and all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. I'm no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. There's one more we're looking for. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me. There it is. The Father gave the Son his name. Isn't that just... Wonderful. They are just so together in this plan to save you. Said, well, what name was that? Well, I like to go back to John chapter 8, verse 58. Remember, Jesus is addressing the religious leaders. And this is what Jesus said. Bible says, Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. There it is. I am. Now, it's interesting what he doesn't say. He doesn't say before Abraham was born, I was. Because Jesus is not the great I was. He is the I am. And there's no loftier name that the father could have given the son than I am. And we know that Jesus was the exact representation of the father that Jesus revealed the Father, that Jesus manifested the Father, and he did so because his name is I Am. Right there it is. You know, Moses, God called Moses to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. And uh, Moses said, you know, Lord, he says, uh, the the children of Israel are going to ask, who sent me? What do I tell them? What did the Lord say? He said, tell them I Am sent you. This is the name of the Father. Jesus is the I Am. He's not the great I was. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And forever shall be the I Am. The great I Am. Um, And I think that name is reflective of the fact that he is above time and space. And that there is nothing beyond his reach. Uh, There is nothing beyond his sight. And in your life, and as your life, um, you exist on this earth, that he he can reach in, he can can, uh, capture your attention, and he can save you, and he can meet the burning needs of your life. Beginning with the spiritual needs, but not just your spiritual needs, He meets your physical needs as well. He is the I am. And there is nothing that even even comes close uh, to the nature of Jesus as I am. So those are the five things. Now, in the time remaining, and this is really the application, there are three things here that Jesus gives to those 
whom the Father has given him. Three things. First one right there in verse uh, 2 and 3. I want you to see this because this is what he gives to you. Oh, we're involved now. You mean the son wants to give me something? I mean, he received from the father and now he gives to those whom the father has given him. Right there it is. In the last part of verse two, that to all whom you have given him, he may give, he may give that he is Jesus, the I am. He may give what? Eternal life. Everlasting life. Hmm. What's that mean? Well, it, at least it, it, it probably means a lot more than this, but it at least means you get to live forever. I remember, I remember being in that college group. It's a long time ago. But we used to sing a song about living forever. That that, that, that was salvation, was being able to have your sins forgiven and live forever with Jesus and everybody else who were forgiven of their sins, all the brothers and sisters, all the Christians, we'd all live forever. And a lot of people associated that with heaven or the new heaven and the new earth. But we, the point was we would live forever in eternal bliss. I never associated that bliss as being you know, like one of those little angels floating around on a cloud. I don't know where that came from, but I think God's got more for us to do there than we often think about. But that's it. He says eternal life. He says that he, there it is, he may give eternal life. So it sounds like Jesus wants to give eternal life that he wants you to live forever. And then John gives us this definition. Jesus defines eternal life. He says, this is eternal life that they may know you. So this is the knowledge of God, spiritual knowledge. So Jesus wants to give you spiritual knowledge of God and the son so that you and I can live forever. And he says, so that they may know you. And then he says, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent, I glorified you on the earth having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, so the first thing he wants to give you is eternal life. And I ask, do you, do you possess eternal life? Do you have the spiritual knowledge, the knowledge of God, of who God is and what was accomplished for you in Christ on the cross? And have you received that? The second thing he gives us is the word. Um, he says in verse 6, I've manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them and they received them. There it is. There it is. I I skated right over that. Verse 8, for the words which you gave me, I have given to them. He gives us the words. The words that the Father gave him, he has given to us. What is that word? Well, you must be born again. That's the word. You know, the word concerning the two foundations. 
you know, you build your, your life on the rock or you build your life on the sand. Be careful how you build and where you build because the storms are coming and they come to both houses. But it's only the, the life that's built on the rock, the sure foundation that will stand, that will withstand the storms of this world. And so Jesus gives us these words. That's why we want to be faithful in opening our Bibles. I trust you're, you're reading your Bible daily, not, not out of uh, you know, some mechanical form, but that you are delving in to the life of the scriptures and you're receiving that life. But Jesus says, I've related these words. For the words which you gave me, I've given to them, and they received them. So he even tells us the response. He says, they received the words. And then he says, they truly understood from those words that they received that I came forth from you. And isn't that what it's all about? You know, Jesus said, uh, who do men say that I am? And the disciples said, well, you know, some say you're Elijah, and some say you're so-and-so. And then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And this is the, this is the crux of salvation. Did Jesus come from God or not? And every person needs to answer that in their own soul. I know we have youngsters today. We have teens in our group and you're, you are at that age. You need to start thinking about your destiny, your eternal destiny. Do you believe Christ? Do you trust Christ? Are you standing for Christ? Are you living for Christ? You need to think about that. Think about Jesus. Receive his words. He says that they received the words and they understood that I came forth from you and they believed. So they received them, they understood them, they believed the words, they believed that you sent me. Wow. And then one last thing, is one other thing that Jesus gives us. And it's over here in verse 11. I'm preaching out of a Bible I don't use often in the pulpit. And the scripture references are embedded within the text. They're not on the side, and that makes it tricky. For the preacher. So bear with me. I'm looking, trying to look for those numbers. I am no longer in the world. This is verse 11. I'm no longer in the world. And yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to you. And listen, he says, Holy Father, keep them in your name. The name which you have given me. That they may be one even as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. So I think here is he keeps us in the name of the father. In the name of the father. We're kept in his name and Jesus guards us and he protects us and he leads us and he gives us what we need. He gives us the spiritual nourishment we need. He gives us the encouragement that we need when life doesn't always give us an easy path, does it? 
But with the Lord, we can make it. He walks with us. He encourages us. He knows our infirmities. He knows our weaknesses. And he girds us up with his word and and through the fellowship one with another. And that sweet fellowship we enjoy with the Son and the Father. I trust today that you'll receive what Christ came to give. Number one, eternal life. Number two, the words of eternal life. The word of the gospel. And number three, his name. It used to be mean a lot more in general than what it does now, but the name Christian. Christian. Are you a child of God? Have you been adopted, taken into his family as a son or daughter? That's what's important. If you have, rejoice in that. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you have not, I trust that you will think about these things, that Jesus came for the express purpose to bestow on you eternal life. And that you would hear his words and understand, that you would receive, understand, and believe, and walk in the truth. And that you would confess the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. It's so bright in here. Smiling faces and the sunshine pouring in and and your word, Lord, so rich and so clear. And Lord, just knowing that the that that you and the Son are together in this rescue mission of sinners like us. Lord, is overwhelming. To know what sacrifice was made that we could receive your grace through faith and live forever. Lord, I pray that blessing of eternal life on each person. And I pray that we will know you, our God, our Father. And that we would walk with you in spirit and truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.